in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? And welcome to episode 599 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, seems like this year more than ever, we get a lot of phone calls from a lot of baby boomers out there who's moms and dads are getting older or have even passed away. Uh, I got a call the other day from a friend of mine and grandma passed over a year ago and they've been having a really hard time dealing with her house, dealing with probate, dealing with something called a reverse mortgage. And in fact, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, what a reverse mortgage is and how do you get out of one of those things? Because Tom Selleck's been telling us on TV that we all should go get one, right? Magnum PI, uh, the blue blood, everyone get a reverse mortgage. I'll guarantee this, Tom Selleck doesn't have a a reverse mortgage on his property. (laughs) So we'll talk about that and what is a reverse mortgage? How does that work? What does it mean? Is it a good thing, bad thing? Uh, Ron will explain. Also, uh, there is... the vice president was in town the other day. Ugh. And You're caught in that traffic. I have some thoughts about that because a Bellevue police officer uh, crashed his motorcycle. And as a friend told me who was on that detail, broke more bones as he flew off an overpass. 50 feet broke more bones than evil Knievel. I want to talk about politicians coming to town that are Republicans and Democrats and using the state and our police forces so they can go hit the ATM machine. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. A break-in, you guys. A break-in at a Ron and Don listing. Uh, this house is closed. It's a home that was over in West Seattle. But, Ron, let's explain what happened because a few weeks ago, did I get a call from you? Yeah, because I got a call from another agent. So the way uh, the something happens if if you haven't looked at a house in a while is there is a Bluetooth-enabled key system now uh, that is on almost every listing if you are going out to look at a house. And so the way it's supposed to work is that um, a person goes online, an agent goes online and says, hey, I would like to show your listing to my client on Wednesday at 3 p.m., and as long as the house is vacant and no one's there, you say sure, or automatically is like confirm. You you have the exclusive right to go in and use the the key on the front door, and you go into the house. So we were um, that was happening. Someone had scheduled a time. They opened the door, and I feel for this this agent. Uh, the agent walks in to the house to start looking around, and there is a person uh, sleeping on one of the beds in the vacant house. And so she immediately gets out of the house and calls me and says, Hey, heads up. Uh, someone is sleeping on the bed. And so I then contacted our seller and you and was like, Hey, do you or someone, you know, have you given them permission to, you know, crash at your house? And they said, no, uh, I did not do that. 
And so at that point, we realized that someone had broken into the house. Yeah. And the, 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 the woman that lived in this house lived in this house alone with her kids. And the backstory is someone had broken in this house a number of times before, did the exact same thing and went to prison over it, right? So this is the information that we have. And we don't know if that person is now out of prison and is broke back in the house. We don't know. So I call our, and I'm way up north at one of our listings, way up in Edmonds. And now I got to drive all the way down to, to West Seattle. And it's, if you haven't driven in Seattle lately, the, the traffic is back. So when they say that everybody is at home, uh, working from home, no, they're not. All the people that are supposed to be working at home are like on the road going to see like the Barbie movie or something. Cause everybody is out and about. So it, it ends up taking me an hour and five minutes to get to the house. I'm thinking in the meantime, that person was probably alerted by the realtor and they must have broken in to get in there to go to sleep because I think they were sleeping in the bed. So I call our seller and say, why don't you call 911 and I'll call 911 and we'll explain what happened. So she called, I called, and the first thing that they try to do when I call 911, and they do this a lot now, is they try to make it a non-emergency and they said, well, why don't you call the non-emergency number? I said, well, because it kind of feels like an emergency to me. Anyway, and, and, and I'm telling this story. I don't feel fully heard by the 911 operator. And guys, I understand it. It's just because we don't have a lot of people in dispatch and we don't have a lot of cops and, and, and we don't have a lot of people that can respond to these calls. We just don't. I mean, the days of you calling 911 and having someone show up in five minutes, unless somebody's been murdered, and even then, they may not show up in five minutes. They ju- they're, they're just not showing up. So, so I called, our seller called, uh, I call the non-emergency number. It just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. Uh, so I go back, I'm calling the 911 and I, and, and I explain to them that, Hey, this, this is an emergency. I explain why it's an emergency. And they said, well, okay, where are you? And I said, I'm heading to the house. And then I got to the house and I, and I'm waiting at the house. And I think, and I don't want to make up the time here or embellish it. Cause I think the time is important. Uh, but I, but I want to say the, the police hadn't arrived yet. There's no one there when I arrived and I went around and I looked and it looked like to me that someone had broken in the the back door. So my instinct on something like this is wrong. My instinct is to go in and kick someone's ass. That's my instinct. But I'm just like, I I'm, I'm 56 years old. I got a son at home. There's someone in there. I know that. There is no reason for me to go in and do that. So I'm going to stay outside. You and turn do, into Ponch and John. And do the you're right gonna, thing. and wait Bust for the, down the door. Yeah, but I, I, I wanted the action, right? I really wanted the action. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm waiting, and then I end up calling our seller again, and I'm like, have you heard anything? And she's like, no. Have you heard anything? And I'm like, no. And she's getting very anxious because she knows that that someone has broken this house before. And we don't know if they're out and about and, or they're coming after her. So we, we just, we, we don't know. So I, needless to say, I call 911 a number of times. Hours have gone by. Nobody has come. So I, I end up calling them a couple people within the police department that I know that are working that day because I happen to know a lot of cops. 
And I don't do this often, but in this particular case... Don't you know who I am? No, I didn't do that. Okay. Uh, I've certainly have done that before, though. And it's, so, 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 so I like to save that now. Uh, uh, and, and sometimes it's effective, sometimes it's not. So I call a person within the department, and I just said, Hey, can you look at the computer? Do you see my call? And they're like, Yeah, I see your call. I said, Is there anyone coming? They're like, Nope. I said, is there a car? Is there a patrol car in West Seattle right now? No. The patrol car, if it comes, is probably going to have to come from Capitol Hill. Between West Seattle and Capitol Hill, there should be 25 patrol cars out in that sector at all times. Here, uh, I'm, we're in, it's called Queen Anne 2. Oftentimes, through the course of the day, there's no patrol cars here. Uh, most of the pro- patrol cars are centered down in the Central District, Pioneer Square. Uh, they call that the Ocean District. That's where most of the patrol cars are. So I am waiting and waiting and waiting. I call another friend uh, from the Seattle Police Department who's very high up, and I said, what should I do? And they said, well, have you told the story about the previous person uh, that uh, had been breaking in the house and that they might be, be out of jail and returning to the house? I said, no. They said, try that. I said, okay. So I call 911 again. I tell them that story. And she says, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody out there. 20 minutes later, a patrol car rolls up. Two young SPD officers get out of this patrol car. It wasn't lights and sirens. They just kind of silently pulled up. And they said, what's going on? And I told them. And I said, I, I, I believe they're still in there. I said, I would probably go around the back of the house because I've watched a lot of Kojak. I know what sure. to do. I've watched Beretta back in the day. Uh, so NYPD Blue, you all of them it. All. Yeah, I just mentioned Blue Bloods. Yeah, I've seen it all. So, so anyway, did you did you pull your glasses off and go? We got us an intruder, Miami style. Boom, yeah, do Miami. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, hap- whatever happened to him, Caruso, David Caruso. Yeah. He disappeared. We got us an intruder. So so anyway, they they went in, and one of the officers. Did you came, have to unlock the door for him. Uh, I did. I gave them the key, so if they wanted to go in the front, but this person had already broken in the back and let themselves in, and so the officers were in there for a bit, and then one of the officers came out and said, "Okay." Uh, uh, stand back, they're in there. And I'm like, ooh, this is this is we're gonna we're gonna see some action right now. You wanted you to get behind the police cruiser? Uh just kind of, you know, stay out of the way. Just but they didn't need me for backup. How about right. that? How about I, I agree with that. In the meantime, they they have no backup themselves. It's just it's 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 the two of them riding around in a car, and it seems like to me like one of the officers is training the other. And they know they're, they are very careful about being on body cams right now. And they're very careful about what they say. So, uh, he comes back out. He, he being the officer, the officer. Yeah. And says, uh, we found the person they're coming back out. Uh, like voluntarily or they're under in handcuffs. No, there's no handcuffs. He said, and, and and this isn't a quote, but it was something like this. In, in case we listen to the body cam footage, because it's on body cam, you can hear my calls on nine one one. Something about we're going to kick them loose, <laughs> and, 
And I said, really? I said, can you explain that to me? And he said, you know what? He goes, you're in the city of Seattle. <laughs> and the thing that I know is you can get them to turn their body cam cameras off if you invite them in the house. And maybe I have or have, maybe I've done that before. Uh, just so people know, if you want to have a private conversation with an officer, you can invite them in. And as long as you're not being investigated, uh, they have to turn their body cam off when they're inside with you if you request them to do that. And then you, you can find out what's going on. I want to be careful what I say here in case someone figures out who these officers are. Cause, cause I have to say they were great. These officers were great and I could read between the lines and I could see what they wanted to say. I could see that they wanted to take this person to jail. I could see that they were embarrassed that they were letting this person go. And time, time out. So the, no handcuffs. No, no Miranda rights. No, did they put the person in the cruiser? Nothing. Did they write him a ticket? They didn't even. They didn't even do any kind of background check. They had no ID. They didn't do any of it. So they, this person Nothing. that had broken and was yes. sleeping in a house, the police went into the house and basically asked them to leave to get up. Uh, because they didn't steal a high dollar amount of stuff of something. Uh, so breaking and entering is not enough. It's not enough to arrest somebody. It's not enough. And, and I asked him, I said, I, I said, what would it, if that person breaks in again, will they go to jail? And he said, no, <laughs> he said the jail. So, won't. So the guy just walks said, out the front door. He said the jail won't take him. I, the guy walked out the front door and he walked down the street. I then took matters into my own hands and this, I haven't told you. I, because there was such a fear that is, was created, uh, for my client. And I didn't know if this was the person that had been breaking in or not, or went to jail or, and these cops didn't know either. They just, they just kicked him loose. And Did they get the guy's ID and went on to the next call. I didn't see any of that. If they did it in the house, they did it and I didn't see it, but I, I and, and maybe they did that inside. I didn't see any of that. When, when the guy came out, he was complaining that he didn't have his wallet and they said, Hey, we think, we think it's in your backpack. I don't know. I don't even know if they looked in his backpack to see if he stole anything. And it, it was a, it was a, it was a home that was vacant, but it had been staged. And, and so I, I followed this. I waited. The cops left. Uh, they just said in the city of Seattle right now, uh, this 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 is what's happening all over the city. This is the way that we have to respond to these calls. And again, let me know that the jail would not take them. If they're mentally ill, Harborview won't take them. Nobody will take them. And 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 the prosecutor won't prosecute. And and so all these people get let go and they know that. And what the officer explained to me, and I think maybe again, I want to be careful here. I don't know if his cam is on or not, is that the people that are doing these things, they understand the law. So they understand as long as they don't do too much damage or as long as what they steal is under a threshold and it has to be a specific amount, uh, that it's not a felony. Like if, like if, if, if they went in there and let's, let's say stole someone's phone and wallet and left and it, and in, let's say the phone is a $1,300 phone and there's money in the wallet, that's a felony. But still, I don't think you'd Once get. they rip a TV off? The I don't wall. think you'd get arrested for it in the in the city of Seattle. So so they they let this person go down the street. I I locked the house. I saw where this person was going, and they were down the street 
sitting at a bus stop eating a sandwich from their backpack after, and they had been sleeping in the house as far as I know, because because I was involved in this for well over three, heading towards four hours. So at least they got a good three or four hour nap. And and I went down there and I had a conversation that was very loud. And it it, it and I let this person know what would happen if they ever broke into that house again, if they ever stepped on that piece of property. And I said, I'm not going to be kind. I am not going to be kind. And I'm not calling the cops this time. You are going to deal with me. Do you understand? You are going to deal with me uh, and, and, and not those cops that were just so kind and nice to you. So it's pretty apparent that we don't have enough cops. It's pretty apparent that these police, and it, this should not be blamed on the rank and file of the SPD, but this does have to be blamed on chief Diaz because he cannot recruit. Uh, this does have to be blamed on our mayor and it has to be blamed on our city council. And, and someone needs to stand up to all of them. I, I wish Carmen would have stood up and not left. I think she did a real disservice. And I don't blame her for leaving when she left. But I think she had a lot of leverage. And, 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 and she pissed all that leverage away. I wish she would have used her leverage to stand up to the mayor that didn't have any leverage. She, she was a strong African-American police chief in the 12th largest metro in America. Uh, she did not handle the chop well. She didn't. And, and I think that when the chop happened here in Seattle on Capitol Hill and you had this lawless area of Capitol Hill that was taken over, uh, that could no longer be policed, uh, that's when Carmen lost her job and that's when the mayor was unelectable. You just, there's no way this, that mayor is ever going to get elected. And now this mayor, I think he really wants to do something but it's very difficult for him because we keep voting in a city council, and I think we're doing it again. That is very passive when it when it when it comes to these actions. So, anyway, I'll give you uh, I'll give you the final say on the story. I'm glad that we were able to sell the house for our seller. Uh, it's pretty disgusting to me though that these things are happening in the city of Seattle, and it doesn't feel safe, Ron. It just it it doesn't feel safe. So, I mean, I don't know if I can add much to what you said. Uh, it's sh- shocking, but not surprising in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, we the solution is what you just described. Uh, we need the people and politicians to finally prioritize the correct things. And when we vote on a, on a levy uh, every single time, every single six months, it seems like you're trying to add something to my property taxes. Take that money and go hire more people. It's, it's a market economy. If you start paying enough money, people will do the job. Yeah, more more on the other side. You guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer, but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. Yeah, right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop 
by any location. Tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0? That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. If you want to see that video, it's on my Facebook page. It's also on my Instagram. And it's the video of the SPD uh, talking to this particular person, then kicking them loose. Uh, just find Don O'Neill on, on, on Facebook, Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram. And it is a shocker just to see this person put their backpack on, complain they don't have their wallet, and then walk, walk, walk down the street and they're eating a sandwich when I tore into them. So anyway, uh, Speaking of the police, this is kind of interesting. Uh, another story, another thing happened. And in fact, uh, the vice president was here in town the other day. And I know that she gave a speech on climate change. And the reason why they typically give speeches is so the taxpayers will pay for the plane ride to come here to Seattle. And security. Yeah. And what she's really doing is heading over to Bellevue, like the Republicans and the Democrats do. And hitting the ATM machine, right? We saw George W. Bush, everyone in his cabinet, they would come here. They would give like a 20-minute lunch speech somewhere. And then what would they do? They'd go to Medina. They'd hit the ATM and raise a lot of money. And, Ron, I remember us doing this all the time. We were at Cairo Radio because I-5 would always be shut down and people get so pissed. And I said something about this on my Facebook page because there was an officer who was in a motorcade. And I counted all the cars in the motor. This is the vice president of the United States. There are 26, not including her cars, not including Secret Service, 26 patrol cars in this procession. I counted them all, 26. 26 that I could see, local patrol cars. Then all of her cars. And then there were over 40 motorcycles, probably closer to 50, that were part of this procession as well. So think about this. I just explained a story about calling 911 and no one coming and waiting three hours for a break-in here in Seattle. And yet we have a vice president comes here to hit the ATM machine and people, and I talked about, and people just tore me apart. And how dare you? And the Republican just, just, you're, you're, you're such a Republican. You're a Trumpster. You're all this stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a pretty independent thinker that doesn't vote Republican or Democrat. I don't vote the ticket. I vote the issue and the person. And I voted for lots of Republicans and Democrats over the years. So, so that's how I choose to vote. Right. And, and, and so for me, it wasn't about uh, politics. And Ron, you saw this too. It, it, it's about the feeling of sitting in your car 
And knowing that I-5 is going to be shut down all damn day so a political party can go out and pretend like they're coming here to do something presidential. And really what they're doing is they're doing something disgusting to just raise billions of more dollars. And that's one of the reasons why we have two really old guys, once again, uh, that are about to be about to be president. But but we, we saw this a lot in our job, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, those two things in my mind are different things. It's apples and oranges. Should we provide security to heads of state? Yes. I mean, that's just in today's climate, where uh, folks can get this information. Um, I think providing adequate security for a head of state is the right thing to do. It's also the right thing to do to respond and to prosecute breaking and entering. I, I don't think those two things are connected um, in, in any way other than the contrast. The contrast between the resources is telling uh, and, and I agree with you that, that the, the breaking and entering thing should be handled differently. The prosecution should be different. But when a head of state comes to town, and that's just the way the politics is played. Uh, I disagree with it, but I'm not going to change yeah. it. So they need to be protected. So something horrible happened in this procession. And this was uh, sent to me by somebody that was in the procession. And they basically said... Uh, and this is their quote. Uh, hey, Don, speaking of the procession today, and I put this out on my Facebook page, apparently uh, one of the Bellevue police officers on a motorcycle was hit while on escort duty. And his motorcycle, and he, and my understanding now is that it wasn't the motorcycle, it was he, flew off the Spokane Street overpass and hit the ground 50 feet below. He's alive. Uh, but he has more broken bones than evil Knievel, and that's from an SPD source. And so what I said is is what I just said, uh, that this accident wouldn't have happened if the vice president wasn't here hitting the ATM machine, and that's what they always do when they come to Seattle. So people ripped into me. They were very upset about it, and I said, well, maybe you don't know any cops. So we started having this discussion, and then I got – this message from my friend, Captain Eric Sano, who was the head of the East Precinct, and he was also the head at one point of the traffic division. He since has retired. He just retired about two months ago. And this is what he wrote. Uh, he says, Don, I'm going to keep politics out of this. But as a former commander of the Seattle Police Department's traffic unit who had to escort, who had the escort responsibility for all dignitary visits, this is something we're required to do for all heads of state or high ranking dignitaries. We do it for ambassadors. Uh, let's see. We do it for cabinet secretaries. Uh, we do it for other ranking government officials. The problem was is that we all don't train together regularly because we are so short-staffed. While the SPD continually trains for escorts, other agencies that join us don't always have that opportunity. So it's a real catch-22 because you don't want a private company that has not been properly vetted and does not have the experience to do these things. My prayers go out to that Bellevue officer uh, that he may recover fully, but we don't know. Hey, I'm going to tell you. Uh, it was my least favorite duty to perform during my time in traffic because of the dangers that were involved. And again, that's from Captain Eric Sano, retired SPD. This particular officer is alive at this moment. His partner uh, died while on duty 
nine months ago in a similar motorcycle crash. So anyway, uh, people said, are you blaming this on the president or the vice president? And I'm like, yeah, I am blaming this on the vice president. I'll give you the final say. Um, it's unfortunate. I mean, that's very sad. My wishes, uh, and, and positive vibes go out to this person for a speedy recovery. Uh, the common denominator in all these things is the will and fortitude for people to do what we believe is right. And if we believe that, uh, for rank and file people like us, the, the pathway is to elect people that align with your views around law enforcement and, and change the culture at the local level. And that will trickle up. So, I mean, that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. One more story coming up in one minute, you guys. Hey, it's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. About a, about a year ago, I got a call from a friend of mine, and she said, hey, uh, my grandmother just died. And grandmother grandmother was, and, and, and I'll just use this name. We'll just call her Rachel. Grandmother was like a mom to Rachel and to her kids. And they all grew up in this house together up in Bothell. And then grandma passed away. And all of a sudden, Rachel has the power of attorney. And they start to deal with probate. And as they're dealing with probate, uh, she finds out that on this particular house that there was a reverse mortgage on the house. And the next thing you know, she's pulling her hair out going, what is this, Don, and how do I deal with this reverse mortgage? So fast forward, some things happen. Uh, They've been dealing with those, but it's been about a year. And she called me again, and she said, hey, can you and Ron help me understand what's happening with this reverse mortgage? We're on the other side of probate. And uh, we 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 think we're gonna get we'll we'll be ready to sell. So I went up, I visited her the other day, and we had a discussion. Ron, talk a little bit about because we deal with this a lot with aging parents that are either downsizing or aging parents that have passed away. A lot of times they don't have a lot of money in their bank account, but they have a lot of money in their house. So there's lots of equity, and then they will will the house, will the equity. Uh, to a child or to a grandchild, uh, uh, to a friend, a neighbor, a church, whatever that is. What what is probate? What is a reverse mortgage? And and why is it such a pain in the ass sometimes to to to, to deal with those things? Uh, because it some, sometimes dealing with probate and a reverse mortgage becomes a full time job. You've dealt with a lot of these, so you know, right? 
Yeah, I mean, well, let's think about what this is for. You just described a scenario. You have a person that owns a home that is elderly, and for whatever reason, they don't want to move, all right? And they need money to live on. So this product was invented that says, hey, you what? You have an asset. The only asset you have, because you don't have a big 401k, you don't have a lot of stocks, you don't have bonds, you don't have a huge life insurance policy, you don't have a lot of cash, you don't have a vintage car collection. What do you have? I have a house, but I want to live in this house. I don't want to sell the house. I want to live in the house. And so this product was invented called a reverse mortgage. It says, we're going to send someone out to evaluate your house and see what they believe the house is worth. So let's just for round numbers, let's say the house is worth half a million dollars. So this house is worth half a million dollars, but there's no mortgage. Like this person has paid off the mortgage. They own the house. All they're responsible for is utilities and taxes. And so the mortgage, reverse mortgage company says, how much money do you want do you think you're going to need to live on? Uh, and they say, well, you know, my expenses are five grand a month and I think I might live another 10 years. So they're going to take out an amount of money and put a lien on the house. So this company is going to give you money. So they're going to say, Don, here's a check for $200,000. Your house is worth $500,000. We're going to give you $200,000 and spend it how you want to spend it. Live on that. You can still live in the house. You own the house, but we now are a lien holder on this property because we're giving you money. So from their side of the equation, the lender side of the equation, you have loaned money uh, that you're getting interest on, and you the when you you don't know how long it's going to be till you get that money back. So who are those people? Like think about the type of person that wants that that seems like a good product to them. That's very conservative money, right? Because you say, this person might live another 15 years. We don't know how long this person's going to live and and sell this house. So I'm going to get a guaranteed return on my money of let's say 5%, 6%. But I might not see that money for 10 years. So it's a pretty conservative money play uh, on both sides. And so what needs to happen for the the loan to get paid back is the house needs to be sold. And typically that happens when someone passes away or goes into assisted living is you're going to sell the house. They're the first one that gets paid off. So you sell the house for 500, the 200 plus all the fees goes to the reverse mortgage company. And then all the other fees come out. And what you're left with is uh, that money goes to the heirs. Um, in the probate is the process by which that gets all sorted out. And I get the logic of the product. And however, it's evolved into a thing that has become incentivized for the reverse mortgage company to make it as hard as possible to unwind the loan. For what reason? Because they get the right to the house. If you default on this loan, what happens? They're in first position on the on the house. Yeah, they have they have they a, can acquire a, they have, the they house. They have a legal recourse loan. They can them. foreclose on that house, and if you're passed away and your family's not on it, they can auction that house off and maybe get more than two hundred grand that they lended. So there, it becomes a little bit predatory. Uh, and these many of the companies I've dealt with go out of their way to make it difficult to unwind. That's distasteful. The logic of the product isn't. I get it. I wish that more people, what I would advise people and I wish people would call us for this process 
I believe it's better for everyone if you come up with a different solution. So let's think about this a different way. Let's take the same scenario and go back five years. Someone calls us and does a run it on sit down. And they say, I was married for a long time. We have this house. My spouse passed away. I'm getting uh, older. I have a piece of property that's worth 500 grand. I would love it if I didn't have to move. However, it's a pretty big house for one person. Great. How about we sell your house, get a financial advisor in here, get you into a situation that is more suited to you right now. You're living by yourself in isolation, waiting for your grandparents or children to come by. Uh, you're lonely. You don't have a lot of money or activities in your life. How about we sell this asset worth 500 grand, put it into some investments, get you into an environment where you will have peers, a friend group, activities, meal preparation, uh, a scenario that's going to be way healthier for you for the last stage of your life. And we're going to take the proceeds from your house to pay for that and still set up a living will, set up a trust, set up a thing. We're going to get rid of, you will have control over what possessions you get rid of and what possessions you keep and make this easier on your family where it's not a burden to them. And then the last stage of your life, you can make some new friends. You can make sure you have some security. You you have have some, you'll have money to travel. You, you're you gonna, can travel if you want gonna, to. You're going to unlock all that cash that was just sitting in your sitting in your house. You can't go get a HELOC on it because you don't have a W two job. And so and so you you are you are stuck. And sometimes people think that's the only option that I have. No, the option that you do have is is to unlock it by selling it. And then, as you said, Ron, getting a financial advisor involved. But that involves and, taking some time and being self-aware enough to go, yeah. why am I attached to this building? Why am I so attached to these objects? What is it? It, it takes some, some mental horsepower and maybe therapy to go through and be like, my partner is dead. I need to relinquish holding on with the white knuckles to this house and to these possessions is not going to bring them back. It's does, it's not making my life any better. Yeah. Uh, I'm fearful because I'm older. Addressing all that stuff is not a real estate issue. That is a mental health uh, and, and psychological issue. Yeah. And that, that's well said. And nostalgia is a very powerful feeling. And if you don't get some help around sometimes feeling that, especially if you, we, we've seen people where you've had a loved one die in the house. Uh, we dealt with one of our sellers down in Tacoma. Her husband died in the house. They had 40 years of memory in that, in that house. She wanted out of that house. She, she didn't necessarily want to stay where he passed away. And, and it was, it's this exact scenario. Like all the money was locked up in the house. We unlocked it, and I remember one of the days where I, we were talking to her on the phone, and we got an offer, and she was out with a bunch of her new friends uh, that she met at her new community. Yeah, and they, they, they had all jumped in a van together, and there's 14 of them, and you could hear them laughing and giggling, and I was so excited for her. We had, we had another friend uh, up by Green Lake who her husband Tom left behind his shop. He was really into cars and all kinds of cool stuff. And she was just overwhelmed with all the stuff. And she's like, what do I, number one, what do I do with all this stuff? 
Number two, I have a roommate right now. What do I do about the roommate? Number three, all my friends have moved away and they've moved down to the Sun Belt. And number four, if I don't unlock the cash in this house and get the most money that I can get, uh, I'm not going to be able to go live down there. And at the same time, she's like, I don't think I can move down there because all of Tom's stuff is still here. His shop is still here. And he'd be really pissed off if I sold all his stuff, right? So it's a, it's a, it can well, that's be a, the thing. It I can don't be think they would. 22 sometimes. You give yourself permission to, to know what would this person would want. I, I've had this with my birth mother died. And at one point I told some of the other people around this orbit is like, she wouldn't want us sitting around being sad all the time that Not she passed. No. Yeah. Like she, she loved to travel. She loved to have fun. She loved to go out. Uh, she would want us to live our lives. That's right. And there's a time to be sad, and then there's a time to not be sad. So if you are in that scenario or anticipating that scenario, let's sit down and meet about it. This gives Don and I great personal satisfaction to help people navigate. It is a very difficult thing to navigate. It is not easy. It's very complex emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, sometimes financially, real estate-wise. Um, solving that for someone and then getting that message or card uh, a couple months later where it's like, wow, feels like a million pounds was taken off of my shoulders. I'm in a much happier place. And thank you guys for helping me get there. Like that, that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they feel like, well, the house is a wreck. Maybe there's too much collecting going on. Maybe we're on the edge of hoarding. Uh, Sometimes with animals, I went in a house the other day where It was a rat farm. <laughs> they were everywhere and they weren't shy. <laughs> my inspector was like, wow, this is maybe in my 30 years of doing this, the most rats I've ever seen. So anyway, there's a deal there. The house had been sitting empty for a year and a half. So as a result of that, uh, some rats moved in when everybody moved out. We're used to seeing all that. Don't be embarrassed. Do not be embarrassed. We're used to seeing all of that, and and we are here to help, and we bring people that can help too, all right? Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out, right, Ron? Yeah. Yeah, Ron at ronandon.com or ronandonsitdown.com. Sitdown.com. Yeah, don't forget, if you're selling next year, we need to meet this year, because chances are there's some work that we need to do to make sure that we get every damn dollar and dime. We unlock that from your home so that you can go on and live a great life. We are here for you. Thank you for making us your friends, your broadcasters, and your real estate agents. And thanks for all the great referrals, you guys. We really appreciate that as well. And I think Ollie and Emmy and Andrea have given us more referrals than anyone. So thanks to those guys. Specifically, I know, listen to the podcast. All right. Hey, don't forget, Real Estate Only, episode 601. Uh, we'll be talking about a deal that went down in Seattle this week with multiple offers, and it went over, you guys. So make sure you are listening to episode 601. In the meantime, head up, shoulders back. We will see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right, on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.